Jared Jones, what are we talking about today on the podcast? See, we're talking about uh, about pharmaceuticals and, and kind of how they're priced and if it's right that they're priced the way they are. Obviously, this is a very controversial subject. Um, I know President Trump kind of weighed in. Uh, the Biden administration is now weighing in, of course. So just kind of kind of talk about the pros, the cons, the whys almost, and, and maybe uh, king for a day if, if, if we what we would do to make it better. I love it. So uh, listeners, of course, welcome to Six Pack Discussions where we talk about controversial subjects. Um, we do have a uh, beer of the day. It's Hipsterville. It's a hazy IPA from Barrio Brewing from a local actual brewery. We'll talk about it a little bit later. Listen yeah. for... Uh, what, Tucson, Arizona. Yeah. In about for, so about 15, 20 minutes, me and Jared will rate our first beer. But let's get into the discussion about pharmaceuticals, drug prices, and much more. So maybe you understand the, the issue differently but let's let's try to defend or our, our original positions why we think the way we do yeah. and really my why is what i was able to judge it off of is if uh the discrepancies in the same drug that's being sold in australia or canada or the uk or here i mean we're talking drastic price differences to whereas if i go to a mcdonald's in canada uk australia i can reasonably pay about the same plus or minus given in um, the different currency exchanges, right? As, you know, five bucks for a big or whatever it is. I don't pay $10 or so it's really kind of the discrepancy in pharmaceutical prices is to my understanding the, the problem and obviously yeah. the price gouging. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I think when, when people complain about drug prices in general, I think everybody of course is always going to complain about drug prices or any prices being too high. Like if I'm going to go buy a refrigerator, Always too high. If I'm going to buy a new microwave. Always too high. Exactly. So most people are not arguing that drug prices are not low enough, right? They're saying, oh, they're too expensive, too high. And we kind of covered this a little bit in our healthcare podcast when we were talking about personal health. Me and you, of course, probably don't know much about drug prices personally because we don't take a lot of pharmaceutical drugs. I don't take any. I don't think you do. Vitamins, yeah. Exactly, right? So we're not taking anything prescription-wise. Um, I, I didn't really... Maybe you can give a point of view on this. I personally am not looking at a country-to-country comparison um, because every market's going to be treated a little bit differently, of course. So say I'm the company that is, you know, creates this great drug for arthritis. I think Humira is that drug. Well, maybe the distribution of that drug in a certain country is a lot cheaper, so I can pass on that savings, of course, to those individuals. So I'd be okay if it was that if that was the case, but I specifically use Australia, UK, and the Canada yeah. because they actually use a government intervention saying they, they actually negotiate on their people's behalf. Mm-hmm. And I forget the committee, but it's some sort of committee that's yep. that's formed in order to negotiate down and ultimately pass those savings on. To, of yeah. course, they still want to do a for-profit institution you yeah. know, in the pharma industry, but they just don't want absurd, absurd pricing. Yeah, profits yeah. rather. Yeah, the absurd pricing is weird. I When I was looking into this, I think in general, um, the pharmaceutical industry, I think, would they rank like 35 or 36 in profits across 150 industries or so? Yeah. So it's not like they're like the top of the food chain in profits. The financial sector is number one. Of course. That makes sense, right? Everyone hates bankers. Maybe that's why. I don't know. Duh. But pharmaceutical companies ranked kind of middle of the pack, leading middle, I would say, 36. As an industry, yeah. Yeah, as an industry. But then what I also found out is that a majority of pharmaceutical companies are not profitable. That's weird. That's very odd to me. I, I did not actually come to that conclusion originally when I was looking through it. You know, I'll be honest, I didn't come across that in my research. Yeah, about 80%. 80% of pharma- pharmaceutical companies are not profitable. And those are publicly traded, so you can actually see that. Right. Now, here's how this kind of works, though. Is there's a lot of pharmaceutical companies, apparently, that um, they, they essentially do all of the testing 
and they do all of the the clinical trials for some of the bigger guys. And they look to sell their yes. newfound drug yes. to the bigger guy. Yeah. Bingo. Or they they sell the clinical research to them and saying, yeah. "Hey, we've tested this drug out that you guys patented, and now you can go to FDA approval." Speaking of that, I feel like this is a decent transition. One thing that I found kind of interesting about the whole patent and FDA approval. Um, sometimes these drugs take, let's say, four to six years to yeah. get through the FDA. Oh, my gosh. Do you know when the patent starts? Uh, probably when you start the application. When the drug is created. Yeah. So during that four to six year time frame that the FDA is approving yeah. it, that's four to six years off of your 20, which yeah. I thought was pretty interesting. It is well. weird. It yeah. is very odd. So another thing that maybe for listeners that I found out today, not only did I find out that you know a lot of these companies are not profitable, but... There are some countries, I think you were kind of alluding this to earlier about Australia and the UK. I'm going to add in France, Germany, and Sweden to that mix. The EU, yeah. Yeah, most of the EU countries. Yeah. I think the UK kind of falls in a weird ground right now because of Brexit. Uh, yeah. I don't know where they're at. <laughs> Not touching that one. Yeah, but um, they all have some type of price controls on pharmaceuticals, right? And that's probably what you were kind of alluding to is they said, hey, we're going to negotiate certain rates. I was like, okay. I, I kind of understood that a little bit. I didn't know how in-depth it was. And each country has their own laws around it. And they pretty much have just said, hey, if you're going to sell this drug, this is the max price point you can sell it to our consumers. Is that is that how you understood it? Yes. And then I just want to take it one step further. Base it off of um, what better is it going to do than the current drugs? That's what I thought was a kind of interesting because yep. uh, here in the US, it's, it's a highly unregulated industry yeah. to where there's a lot of 1A, 1B, 1C models of the same drug that does... <sighs> rounding error differences in actual treatment, but it's a, it's a new brand. It's a new flavor, right? To whereas in those types of countries, the EU, France area, Australia, et cetera, they actually go before a committee and they don't actually talk about, of course they talk about price, but in addition to, they actually talk about the overall benefit. And that's why I think I came across Australia specifically. I think it's like around a 40, 45% success rate of a pharmaceutical company pitching a drug to this committee and it actually getting approved. Is 45 good or bad? I, I mean, I think that's, pretty low but given that seems pretty good to me for, for really for drugs no, no, no i'm talking that's already been through like it's safe for human Trials. consumption okay like it would be fda stamped okay but now they are actually saying hey is this actually going to be more than marginally beneficial for my population is this actually worth it so if i if they say no to me does that mean i can't sell it in your market exactly well that's that's why i don't that think means it's it doesn't really get approval that's not that good that's it's still safe. So it would get approval. It would get FDA approval. It's still, yeah. ha- it's still safe and effective for human consumption. Yeah. It just is not that much better than the other drugs in the market. Okay. So that's why I thought it was pretty yeah. low because it's not really a free market because it's safe for humans, but you're really kind of limiting that choice. And that's yeah. why I think I told you, or maybe I alluded to this earlier in the podcast. Honestly, on my research, I would read one article and I'm like, hell yeah, you know, hey, yeah. we, we got to price controls, price control. Oh, they, those bastards. And, and then, the next article, free market. Exactly. So I, I flip flopped. Here's, no here's a weird a half one. Dozen times, and yeah. I don't know if this is contradictive to what you just said, because what I was reading about, and maybe this is what, why we were going back and forth, because I was reading through like multiple, like mostly economic reports yep. on, on how it affects the market. Um, one of the reports I came across was talking about how the UK and Germany, um, they have a problem with a lot of drug companies um, when they come up and they're like, okay, hey, our patent expired, and now generics come into the market. Well, their generic market, they don't really have a generic market in those countries. And this is the reason why is because there's price controls. So if you were to regulate uh, a drug, let's say it's $20 a pill, very expensive, very costly, 
but you're the only company that produces it and you get that stamp of approval, that 45% that you just mentioned. Well, according to the UK and Germany, specifically France and also Sweden kind of have similar rules. What I understood is, is that after that patent goes away, now all of a sudden generics normally come in and now that $20 per pill comes down to literally a nickel per pill, right? The generics is a, a fantastic model, right? Mm -hmm. That's a little bit more competition. So what will happen is, is the drug companies in UK and Germany specifically will go ahead and take that drug off the market and they'll alter its chemical molecules just a little bit to get another patent. And then they'll go back and say, hey guys, looks like um, we need to go ahead and, and kind of go through the old process again. Here's the drug. Here's what it's going to do. And they'll get now that um, price control number again, and it'll be $18. And so they don't have a very large generic market apparently in, in the EU because of that. Yeah. Uh, did you come across anything I'll, like I'll that? be honest with you, man. I did not. Yeah. I, honestly, Isn't that kind of weird? There was not a shortage of articles about this. Mm -hmm. So so I don't really think we have too much overlapping research on this one. Well, here, you yeah. don't have to do that. If when a patent expires, thousands, not thousands, yeah. hundreds of pharmaceutical companies start producing generics. And what happens when you have a hundred different providers? Well, the price will go down. Price goes down. Yeah, it's the exact one. same yeah. drug. It's the same exact formula. So they did say when it comes to drugs that have been in the market for a while, I didn't I didn't actually know this. I would have thought that EU would have cheaper drugs, but generics, there are no generics really in the EU that are competitive apparently. Interesting. That's weird, right? Yeah, um what do you, what to do you, your point that almost conflicts with yes. my understanding yeah. of what the Australia's and the EU's are doing because in the UK I guess I have to say them separately of the EU. Because it was my understanding that whenever I go pitch my drug, it has to be vastly different than what's already on the market. And I'm, so it's interesting that they can just alter the chemical recipe slightly, almost insignificantly and well, get a new... Well, you know, chemist, that's significant to them possibly. You know, it's not the same element. It's not the same molecule anymore. Is that chemistry or is that sales? Seriously, in, these, in these presentations. It's marketing. Yeah, it's really uh, good marketing. Like, hey, yeah, this drug is now doing this much better because we've added in a sugar molecule or something stupid probably. So it's really interesting that you said marketing because I feel like that's a line item that's not really talked about a lot with pharmaceutical companies. The The main argument that you hear about, oh, well, we need to charge this much because of R&D costs. Mm -hmm. They're nuts. I was like, oh man, those poor guys. Do you know out of the top 25 companies worldwide, how many of them are pharmaceutical companies? The top 20 companies in the, the world? The top 25 pharmaceutical... I'm sorry. The top 25 companies that spend um, in research and development. You know, the, the top 25 that spend the most. Seven. Seven are pharmaceutical companies. And R&D? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Actually, I, I mean, because that is their main argument why the prices are so high. I would have figured it'd at least be half. Yeah, but you got to imagine, there's not that many big pharmaceutical companies. Right, like we're talking about, like multinational, like you got Pfizer, you got Johnson and Johnson, you got AstraZeneca, you know, you got the big names out there. But then all of a sudden, the list starts—it's just like banks. We, you know, everybody yeah, on our you listeners, got your top three, you got top your top four, five, yeah. and then all of a sudden yeah. that list starts getting, and it's weird because the gap is huge. Oh, it's hundreds of billions of dollars. Yeah. So what I saw from a, a an R and D to marketing budget, I saw that most of the top big pharmaceutical companies spend about four. No, I sorry. The top pharmaceutical companies in the U.S. spend about $4 billion in marketing, but then they spend like $30 billion in R&D. So they usually are spending like four to five times as much. I don't know if that's right, um, but they are the highest R&D spenders out of Indian industry. That is 
Mm. That so it doesn't mean that they are spending more than are anybody else. Now, I probably want them to be. I don't want. I don't care about Nike spending a lot on R and D shoes. Yeah, I'll give you that. What do you think? My you thing is, so I'm with you on that. I agree with you. Research lines up. My problem is the not really a problem because I almost want to contradict myself in the middle of the sentence here. <laughs> this is a difficult subject. It is. It's weird. It, there's a reason why there's you know people helping on both sides. Yeah, I love it. Look, you know, th- there's there's a reason why there's 600 new drugs for cancer treatments and there's 42 for antibacterial infections. They're more profitable. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really kind of slimy. I mean, we really don't care about the health and wellness. We just care about the profit. But then again, the capitalist in me, well, no shit, Jim. You know, so, so that's why I'm a little yeah. torn. So how about this? What's up? Um, you come down with cancer. I come down with the flu, which is a virus. Yep. Which one do you think is probably more detrimental to your health? I'm going to say cancer. Yep. Okay. So which one has more value to a third party to fix? Like, yeah, cancer. Exactly. So it, like, that's how a market works, right? A market generally works to provide additional value to the person that needs it most. So in my situation, the flu sucks. It sucks. Yeah, yeah. Right, and I'm guessing if there was no cancer, there they would be doing a really good job with the flu and other virus type things, right? Antivirals and things. But because there's heart disease, cancer, diabetes, there's things that are unfortunately life altering, where like the flu, whoop de doo, it's bad, but not as bad, of course, comparably to the, those those other items. So you can see why they would be able to charge more money because it's, the treatment's probably going to cost more money to figure out. Don't you think it's more complicated? It is complicated, but what I have a problem with, and this is where I did not flip flop, mm. you know, whenever in five years, an EpiPen goes from a hundred dollars to $600. Yeah. Same, same formula, same injectable, same yep. delivery method, same everything. Yep. You just increase its price by hundreds of percentage points in five years. Yeah. That's where, that's where I was like, all right guys. Yeah. That That's not right. Yeah. I know. That's where I kind of have a little bit of like a unmarket bias where I'm like, okay, you know what? My market, my free market point of me does kind of end at a certain point. I think both of us are pretty free market to most Agreed. extent. So like, right. We're going to agree probably there, but you're right. There is kind of like an ending like, okay, Hey, when does a price gouging start? So to where that does point, that, where does it, where does it start to you? So to that point, being that we are free market people, clearly people are still having a demand mm-hmm. at, you know, $600, 6,000. And that's my problem is I can't, the reason why I'm, I guess I'll just give away my position. The reason why I'm for the pharmaceutical companies doing what they're doing and charging what they're charging is because, because I can't well and faithfully look an executive in the eye and say, Hey, you can only make X percent because I can't tell you what X is. That's what I was trying to get to. Like the EpiPen. I I get it. I know it sucks, but it's, So here's where I always... I, I don't like it, but I don't know what X is. What is a yeah. fair profit to make? It's weird. And the UK actually set... That's how they actually manage their price controls is the profit. They tell any pharmaceutical companies that make money in their country that you can only make X amount of profit. And so I always go back to like the EpiPen example is fantastic, um, where they raise the percentage. Oh, Jared's opening number two. So almost moving into uh, our second portion here. Let me finish up this last little bit. But what I was thinking is with the EpiPen, okay, yeah, you raise the cost. Is it a necessary item? It is. So necessary items are a little bit 
easier to change the price and you shouldn't really see too much of an effect, right? What is that called? A inflexible. Oh, uh, inelastic. Inelastic type product. Yeah. Gasoline. Kind of inelastic. Your cell phone. Kind of inelastic, but guess what? If I need an EpiPen, I'm probably going to forego my cell phone. And I think most rational individuals would. Now that sounds crazy, of course. Yeah. Hold on. So, so, uh, man, I got to really trying to thumb back, thumb yeah. through my textbook real quick. So what you're saying is cell phone and gas are elastic as far as their price goes to where an EpiPen is inelastic. No, actually I think gasoline is probably also inelastic. I think most people depend on gasoline because they have to go to work. Regardless of price, I still have to, I'll bitch, yeah, I, I, I'm but gonna I say still have to. I, yep. Yeah. So, you know, like on a product, like let's say like a, a pyramid, I would say EpiPen top of the pyramid inelastic gasoline just a step or a rung down below now a cell phone or like a, a steak dinner they're elastic, yeah. very elastic do you agree there yeah yeah i agree with you i just want to make sure that we're yeah and so man. from a consumer's point of view though does that mean that hey you know what EpiPen just went up that means you don't get a cell phone i know it sounds harsh so this is this is where i want to just kind of throw this out here yeah go for it we obviously need water and air those are those are we need those, right? Yes. Um, obviously, you know, some sort of government entity, you know, at the city, they provide the water for a reasonable price, right? It's like a utility. Yeah. Yeah. What stops them from raising the price? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of weird when utilities are probably another conversation, but most utilities are city are governed because they didn't want competition in a market. So this actually is weird because Queen Creek right down the street from us, mm -hmm. they don't have city water. They have a private company that provides their water. So you could have five private companies now providing water. Now, what happens with private water, though, is unfortunately it's very infrastructure heavy. So because it's infrastructure heavy, it costs a lot of money to run pipes. You're ripping up roads. So what happens now? The consumer now is essentially paying for unjust things. Infrastructure. Did you mean free community college? <laughs> Just had to make a quick little allusion to my one. last podcast. Yeah, yeah. I love it. So let's get off the utility yeah. stuff. Yeah, we'll, we'll get on that a little bit sooner. But I like that. Yeah, let's do it's, that it's one of those things, man, where if, if I need it to survive, I need water. I need clean air. Yeah. Should I be able to get it? I, should I, should I just be able to just yeah. add a couple zeros after it? So, okay, right. here, okay, so talking about needing things. So let's go maybe into our second part of the podcast is like fixing this problem. I like to talk about insulin. I think insulin is one of those things that's a necessary item. It's actually more so needed than an EpiPen. Agreed. So You need insulin multiple times a day if, I'm, if you're diabetic, correct? Correct. So the guy that created insulin, it's a single scientist. He created insulin. Not that long ago, like 50, 60 years ago, I think. I was in like 50 years or 60s. He created insulin and he decided, he's like, you know, guys, um, this is going to change humanity. I'm going to sell my patent for a dollar and to a foundation that will now allow for any pharmaceutical company to produce insulin, right? He allowed for that to be happening. Now, say he was not the genuine human that he was and he created insulin and said, you know what, what guys? What an awesome person. Right. What a great person. And those people exist every day. I know they do. But, you know, a, a lot of us would like to think that we would do the same thing. He could have charged $1,000 a unit. He could have added a couple zeros. To it. I mean, I yeah. mean, literally, you need that. So here's actually something weird because you just said that. And I always like to cannot correct you right now, but I, like correct the general idea that, that when you charge an exorbitant amount about things, there is a curve. 
that occurs. And I know you know this, but yeah. but when you said add a couple of zeros, what did I just do? I well, just knocked off well, what, the amount what, what that you I did sold. Is you, Reduce demand. Yeah, exactly. What, what is it? The supply-demand curve, obviously. What Bingo. is that point where— Equilibrium. No, there's some like centrist, something like that. But let's call it equilibrium. Yeah. It's some little fancy term I remember. But that's that's kind of what I want to piggyback on in inelasticity. We both just agreed yeah. that these these drugs that you need to survive are yeah. inelastic. Yeah. So not all of them though. That's the issue. The ones that you need to survive are. They are. You were going to liquidate your house. You're going to liquidate yep. your portfolio. You're going yep. to liquidate everything because those those things mean nothing to me if I can't wake up tomorrow. Correct. So and I agree there. But based on what I actually read, it's only about 5% of drugs that are like that. So we're talking about... See, I read about 35% of people can't afford their prescribed drugs. Yes, but they're prescribed drugs that they don't need. Okay, so, so we're, we're not talking about prescribed drugs. We're talking about life-threatening drugs? Yes. Okay. So life-threatening drugs from things that are, you know, completely, you know, you can't live without this drug. Yep. About 5% of prescription drugs. That's what I read. So then you have about five, 95% of drugs that you can live with, but it's going to be uncomfortable. So like, for example, arthritis. There's a lot of very, very profitable drugs in the arthritis game. Yep. And you can live with pain on arthritis. It's not comfortable. It's not comfortable, but it's not life-threatening. Bingo. Now I see where the delineation is. Yeah. That would be life-threatening. You see kind of the line there? I do. So those, though, those 5% of drugs account for about 40% of the profits. Now, that's where you have the problem now. That's where I think we need to kind of make the line. So I have the problem, but I also have the conflict and say, because clearly if they have identified a need, regardless of what kind of sprung the need, mm-hmm. it is still a need. You know, in a free market that we are yeah. obviously both supporters of, I don't know what that X is. Hey, Mr. CEO, try to only make 40%. Yeah. 50%. What is the number? Exactly. So here's a weird one. So say, say there are people dying from diabetes. They don't, they don't have insight. It happens every day. Yep. But let's, yeah. let's say prior to this guy that actually donated his patent, let's say prior to that, they literally die. That's it. That's the, that's the only option for people that are diabetic. There is no drugs. There are no treatment. There's no nothing. This happens with different diseases that are rare today. What's the option for a drug treatment for those people right now? Nothing. So now I, as a chemist, as a company, as whatever, I go ahead and start investing in a drug. And I say, I'm going to go ahead and spend my life savings or I'm going to spend R&D budget on creating a drug that could or could not help. And you've seen the R&D on this stuff. It could take 100 formulas to get to one that works. Right. With each one of those costing $50 million. Yep. So now that they get to the one that works, they're a billion and a half dollars into this cost. Okay. Now, what option does that person now have that they didn't have last year? This fantastic product, insulin. Bingo. Or whatever drug like, it is. Yeah, I know. yeah, I got you. So now there is an option that didn't exist earlier. So they identify the market, how many people need this drug, mm-hmm. how many people can afford it of those that need it, mm-hmm. and obviously run what what's my equilibrium. Bingo. And they say, now I'm going to sell. And I, and I think that's also- I get it, man. It's weird. I know, I know. Here's another weird one. And I think you started this route earlier, and I, got a, and I'm a, I am a kind of upset about it. Most pharmaceutical companies donate a lot of drugs- to impoverished areas around the world. I know. So they they do actually hand out a lot of drugs. So in Africa, they literally draw drop bags of pills, right, in there, which is good, which is fine. I'm fine with it. But who is subsidizing that? Me paying $60,000 a month. In what? 
for these pills, you know, because they're so expensive. Expensive here, oh. they have the opportunity. Why do you get sixty thousand? I'm sorry. I, oh, okay. hold it. I'm, I'm okay. just an exorbitant amount. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sixty thousand means nothing. That has diabetes, exactly. Or gotcha. Okay. So. Um, we're, we're kind of messing up our structure here. So both of us are, are <laughs> shocker, shocker. We got on a subject. Um, I think this one's good. That's why I like this. I, I do. I'm, I'm very passionate. I just don't know where my passion's taking Lies. me because yeah. every sentence, I, I'm sure our listeners are annoyed. Say, Jared, just make up your dang mind. Um, but let's actually, you know, stick to the structure. So what, what beer do we have, man? This was, uh, this was your pick this week. Yeah. So we stopped by, um, kind of a, actually an unknown place to us and we, saw beer that we've never seen before. It's called Hipsterville. Uh, it's a hazy IPA, kind of a funny name here. I like the hipster there that's on the label. He's actually got a, what is it, a hop for a beer? Uh, beard? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think um, it's kind of fun, little fun from, mustache. Yeah. It's from Barrio Brewing Co. out of Tucson, Arizona, which um, for our listeners, we're based out of Phoenix, so this is just a hops given away for us. Um, it, pretty neat, though. It's a uh, local, uh, employee-owned, uh, independent and also Native American owned, which is pretty neat. Um, so uh, obviously, often. Cody, as you know, you know uh, Barrio is is kind of a, a fun brewery for me from a, a personal standpoint. You you helped yeah. me celebrate pinning on captain uh, in the U.S. Air Force to that. So this is kind of a, a fun brewing company to kind of pay homage to on this one. Very cool. Yeah, thanks Barrio Brewing. Um, now, what do you think for a rating on this, dude? I, I like it. Do you really? I love the can, the little hipster IPA, hipsterville hazy IPA. Like that's just kind of fun to me. Um, let's see for a hazy IPA. Admittedly, I love the branding. I love the, I love the story. I love Barrio for a hazy IPA. It is a little weak mm. as far as the flavor, but I gotta be honest here. I, I'm probably going to go what three, four. Oh, weird. We're right on. We're yeah, right on. I'm feeling three, four. I'm a three, five. Are you three five? Okay. I'm three five. I think it's above average. I'll, I'll get it again, but I'm not going to wait in line for. It. Nope. Exactly. I like that. A hundred percent employee owned. How neat. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. What's the What's the percentage on this? I didn't see the percentage. You know, I've been looking. <laughs> really? I've been looking. Yeah, I can't. I can't see it. Okay. Well, hey guys. Solid uh, though. Solid. Yeah. I, I would recommend it. Give it a try. Like I said, it's it's not only. A, a local local Arizona brew, which obviously we're all about, yep. but also it's kind of a fun can. Got a kudos to the marketing team for Barrio. Yep, nice job, Barrio. Okay, so uh, talk about maybe possible solutions here. So I'm complaining. I am diabetic. I am a possible, you know, going through uh, lung cancer. I'm somebody that's going through, unfortunately, a situation where I have to deal with the cost of prescription meds. That's the situation we're in. I'm in America, right? Where right now we have more of a free market for drug pricing. Yeah, completely unregulated. Yeah. Well, you say that FDA regulated for for approvals. Okay. But cost is unregulated. As soon as it's safe for human consumption, completely unregulated. Sell for whatever you I just don't want people thinking that for whatever reason we don't test our drugs here. But yes. (sighs) Yes. To make sure. We do have a couple international listeners. We we ran the report. So (laughs) we we do. do have to clarify. Yeah. We do. So... That's the setting. We're, we're in a situation where I now need to get prescriptions. Maybe for the next year, maybe forever. Should the government come in and tell the company that I'm buying drugs from, sorry, you can only charge one dime per pill. You know, that means that each one of these little pill bottles are now $10 or $20. Should that be something that we should even be thinking about like other countries have done? Short answer, no. Okay. Um, so I figured a question like that was going to be coming. Yeah. It's a reasonable expectation, yeah, it's, right? Yeah. 
in my mind, I think we need to get, you know, the, the Johnson and Johnson's of the world, the Fiserv's, the, the Moderna's, all these, you know, big companies in the room together. And just, just thinking out loud here, I'm not necessarily for this, um, but I'm just trying to get to a path to, to make it a little bit better. Say, hey, guys, what is a reasonable profit? Mm-hmm. What is your bottom line profit? Mm-hmm. And they're going to give me some percentage. Yeah. And of course, we're going to go round and round and round and round and round. We're going to, we're all going to stack hands on a percentage. <sighs> and then they have to, that's their goalpost every year? That's their end zone. That's their uh-huh. zero yard line. That's their 100 yard line. Uh-huh. Now, me as a government, in order to kind of make this a, a back scratch, and because we're, they're going to have to bend a little. So therefore, I should bend a little. I was wondering if you were going to go here where you actually buy the pills to make up. Exactly. I almost, and I know you're going to hate this, government back. Subsidize. Exactly. Subsidize. I I, near guarantee, I know I do guarantee 22%. a 22, 25, whatever percent we stack we hands agree. on, I have to guarantee that. I guess I know where all my money is going for in the stock market. I know. I know. But... I, I know. I, I'm not I'm not happy with what just came out of my mouth that makes me feel any better. I, I I'm gonna have a hell of a time sleeping my head tonight on the pillow. But uh laying my head on the pillow, but I'm not happy with it, man. But I, I'm sorry, the, the EpiPen really bothers me. The insulin, the the fact that it was a hundred dollars five years ago and now it's six hundred. Yeah. Nothing changed. Same delivery mechanism, same product, yep, same life saving well, capabilities. Did change, the CEO did. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> fair point. Yeah. Fair point. But all right, let, let's hear it. You're, you're, you're king for a day. Clearly my idea, I'm not happy with it, but yeah. I, I, I stand by it. Yeah. So I'm just not happy with my it. My solution, then we'll maybe we'll pull coals in each of ours in the next beer here. So I cannot regulate the profit. I know. As soon know. as that happens, there. I now, if I am Pfizer, I'm like this. 20% R&D, not doing that. I can guarantee 20% extra now in profit. I don't need to invest one more dime in R&D. I just reduce my R&D budget, just reduce my marketing budget. I am literally an autopilot now. Unfortunately, this happens in the farming industry. U.S. farming, right, has seen very little innovation, right? The equipment industry that supports farming has seen a lot of innovation, right, because they can make money. But the farming industry does not see a lot of innovation, partly because I, I am guaranteed a price point per ear of corn. Yep. I am guaranteed yep. per pot you. of soybean. So as soon as you get subsidized markets, you get a lot of waste. You get a lot of inefficiencies. I don't think anybody anybody listening, nor anybody that's not listening, will say our government is efficient. Nope. And the reason there is there's no incentives. There's no incentive in our government programs, right? You get paid whether you do your job or not, and maybe you get fired, maybe you don't. You know how hard it is to get fired, right? It's hard. I do. So if I was king for a day, I'd say, hey, guys, um, I like what you're doing in other countries. You're trying to help people. It looks like you're giving away drugs for free. We'll help you there, maybe. We're going to help you. But what can we do to make sure that Americans are not getting harmed by your prices or getting subsidized? So is there any way that you can show us maybe how much of the drugs that you're giving for free away in other countries— are you essentially subsidizing? Passing on the cost to us. Bingo. Is there a way that you can itemize that for us a little bit and say, hey, guys, we've given away $10 million in drugs and antiviral drugs in sub-Saharan Africa over the last year. 
And that $10 million now just added a nickel to every single pill to Americans. Now, unfortunately, you can take advantage of the situation. I'm just saying, if I was going to do an alternate solution, I would want to, as the U.S. government, say, hey, guys, I don't want your goodwill that you're trying to do, which I love as a company. I love that goodwill stuff. I don't want to get passed on from a cost point. That would be my wishful thinking. Unfortunately, that's utopian thinking because I don't think there's any way to track that. I would, as a, if I, as a company, I would inflate those numbers every year because now I can guarantee I my subsidization, right? I'm going to be in the same path as you. I think the market is the best way to do it. Now, here's one thing that we haven't talked about is the patents. <clears throat> the mon monopoly pricing because of the patents. Yeah. So the patents are weird. <clears throat> and I, I don't know if patents are a whole other topic. It's a little bit shorter, I think. Um, we're probably going to come to a conclusion later earlier. Is 20 years the right number? You have to provide a patent. There's, there's too much upfront cost. Mm -hmm. Agreed. That you cannot provide somewhat of a monopoly, essentially. The monopoly is Monopoly is not a free market, though. It is. That's what, that's what a patent is, though. I know, but... Patents are why America is great. We, we created the patent system. We, we, sorry, we popularized the patent system. Honored, almost, yeah. Yeah. We actually were the first people to actually popularize it and also enforce it. That's and, what I meant by honored. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We enforced it. So that's why we, we produce, I don't know if any of our listeners know this, we produce over 55, maybe 60% of the uh, drugs that are produced around the world as a country of 300 million people, like China, India, Pan, the whole EU, all of them are producing less drugs than we do. That's crazy. The only reason we do that, though, is because we have incentives. We have patent programs. We actually enforce our patents. So if at any point, if you got rid of our patents or the incentives, I don't know. So I, I like our free market. Maybe there's some way to do some type of offsets or some type of subsidizing of drugs overseas, and maybe that would help out Americans. Um, secondarily, if I was going to write policy for this, I would try to get as many people off prescription drugs. Yeah, I, I think that's a whole different. I know. I think that's a whole different. We, we issue actually honestly. have that actually as a. a we we do have podcast. that coming up as far as. Um, you know, just as a little teaser, yeah. there are an absurd amount of people on hard prescription drugs. I'm not talking about, you know, your little neighborhood back alley pharmacy. like you know, Opioids? I'm, I'm talking about doctor-prescribed, yeah. life-altering at times drugs. Anxiety and depression so, type drugs, yeah. Different issue. We have that little teaser. We are going to get that in the queue, absolutely. So I think that might be one thing that I would try to do. If I, if I wasn't going to put any laws into the pharmaceutical industry, I might try to create some laws around the uh, medical profession to prescribe alternate routes to better health. I don't know how to do that. I don't know if there's a way to do that. But maybe, you know, work with the doctors and say, hey, guys, you have high blood pressure and there's high blood pressure medication that you can you know, prescribe. Or, or you get this guy in yoga. I, don't I, know. I, I, how funny. I literally just said yoga too to myself. Oh, okay. I was thinking, or you get this guy in yoga and you prescribe him yoga and that's what you prescribe. Him. So, so do you think we're too drug forward? Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. We, we produce more drugs than any other country and we also consume more drugs than any other country per capita. That's a problem. Yeah. Well, honestly, I think it's just kind of who we are as a society as far as almost a uh, instant gratification. Quick fix. So one yoga session Probably isn't going to lower my heart pressure. No, but it, it may start to. Twice a week for a year. Hell yeah. 
Oh my God. To whereas, you know, prescription X, I bet it's going to have an overnight effect or, you know, just, just not yoga, but also, um, shoot, you know, any, any real ailment, any real preventable ailment, um, there is a drug as a quick fix, a, a bandaid almost Mm -hmm. to where you are a recurring revenue of that drug company for the rest of your life likely. No, I totally agree. So I, I think you had a better um, uh, described solution than I did. I, I kind of went on maybe two different tangents there. I just don't know if there's a good way. I like our model. If we are able to innovate and create cool drugs that actually fix big problems, I, there has to be incentive there. Do you not? What do you think about like? I know you can't put a number to it. Actually, you I can't. Say, you can't put. A number I want to. I know. So that, that's why I said I got to get the big guys in the room. Yeah, and let's get to a fair, equitable. Almost like a uh, EU, UK, Australia-esque solution to where they create a, a hey, you get this profit. But if I'm going to, because I'm going to skim yeah. off some of those guys. That's a part of a negotiation. So I have to at least somewhat guarantee that. I understand that's, uh, you You picked a whole, any of our listeners could have picked in, right? Yeah. There's obviously, you can get very creative with the books and you're still going to get yours. You still have to get, you know, you're, you have shareholders to please. I understand yeah. that. Like I said, I'm not happy with the solution, but so it's funny. I I can't knowingly not say that's not right just because there was a change in leadership that my EpiPen went from 100 to 600. I I, I, I can't well and faithfully say that. I know, I know, I know. So it's funny. I got 90 second here, a little side story because you mentioned the, all the guys, all the big guys in the room, right? Have you ever heard of the light bulb mafia? I've not. Okay. No. So about 100 years ago, light bulb, right? Huge deal. Well, all the big light bulb manufacturers, right? You think of GE, General Electric. I don't know all the light bulb guys, but there's like four or five big light I'm bulb sure manufacturers. I'm sure 3M's in there. Yeah, 3M, yeah. Like whatever. Yeah. They all decided to get in a room because every single year, light bulbs started to extend their life. Everyone was competing on one thing. How long a light bulb last? Well, they started getting really good at making light bulbs. Really good. So the light bulb mafia was formed. All the big guys got in a room. And they all said, hey, guys, 9,600 9, hours. That's the number. Don't go over it. Don't go under it. We all agree. Wink, wink. And guess what? That's the amount of hours you get out of a light bulb from no matter which company happens. That's why they call it a mafia. Because everyone now, they did a price control internally, and now they don't have to invest any R&D money, and they can all charge the exact same amount of money. They fix their own rates in a light bulb mafia. It still to this day is an issue. There's apparently light bulbs out there that have never burnt out, that were produced for a period of time. <clears throat> I'm gonna look that one up. That's so, interesting. Little, I've never even heard so of that. A little little side story there, because you were mentioning the big guys in the room. I know, I know it's controlled and everything, but as soon as you get those guys in a room, it's actually illegal to do those kind of things. I know, right? Because yeah. as soon as you do that, you get it's conspiracy. Exactly, yeah. you conspiracy for price control. Yeah. So I'm not saying you're trying colluding, to, colluding, colluding, uh, not conspiracy, yeah. colluding. Yeah. <clears throat> you're not trying to do that. You're actually trying to do it in a good way. Doesn't yeah. exist. But you could incentivize, unfortunately, a negative consequence there. And and I think the negative consequence there is a guaranteed return rate every year. I know. I know. I mean, it's the same reason why sales guys are, you know, paid a little commission. I'm sorry, a little base and a and high commission. You need to incentivize them to get their butts out there and, you know do their job. Yes. So I, I get that. Like I said, I'm, I'm not happy with the solution, but I have to figure out a way yeah. to control this <laughs> monopolistic pricing. 
That because that's not right. It, I hate hmm. monopolies. Would you, you call it monolith? monopolistic pricing? Okay. And that's the six hundred dollar EpiPen. Exactly. Okay. So how do we get rid of the six hundred dollar EpiPen? Well, there's a patent on it. That's why they can do it. There's no so I, be, I believe there's a patent on the delivery method, right? Yeah, yeah. The distribution. distribution method is yeah. not delivery method. Maybe delivery method. Okay, yeah. whatever. So there's a patent on being able to inject it, you know, at the point of need. So because of that, I can't get any type of competition in that market. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's some guy out there trying to figure out, you know, another way to do it. But right Ingestible now, adjustable or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, something that's also, you know, another pen. But there's not. So guess what? They can charge six hundred dollars. Now that patent probably will run out in four or five years, and then everybody comes in, and now the cost of an EpiPen goes to thirty-two dollars. Would we agree that would happen? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Whenever competition happens. So you're you're upset for the five years that they're getting absurd amount of profit per pen. Is that up up to twenty? Yeah. yeah. Well, we both agree from the FDA. Yeah. yeah. There's like five years. They're not going to get it. And, and the EpiPen, I think, was only like for five years. They didn't do that. They kind of were somewhat rational. And then the new CEO came in. Now, I think he's actually under like federal indictment or something like that. Oh, I didn't come across that. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, he's actually getting like investigated for some other practices. So you mean to tell me the, the guy that raised it from 100 to 600 isn't a good guy? He seems to be not a good guy. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Short-term profits don't usually equal, you know, good time results long-term. So... I, I I just don't know how you can go, hey, uh, Mr. EpiPen guy. Nope. But clearly you're not all right with it. I'm not, I mean, the I'm tone not, of your voice says no, it all. I'm not okay with it, right? I don't want it to happen. Just like I don't want insulin prices to be absurdly high. I don't want these life-saving drugs to be absurdly high. But as soon as you take a government agency and start regulating it, you get you get an a company A company and start regulating by the government agencies, yeah. Yeah, you get an opposite reaction. I, and I don't know how to not I, have that I get happen. that, but I don't know how to have my cake and eat it too in this situation. I don't know. I so don't, so I'm sorry, but, but they, they clearly proved, look, I'm not suggesting that anyone and everyone that's ever went into pharma or, or sales in pharma or yeah. development in pharma, I'm not saying that, you know, they should be nonprofits and, you know, everybody love everyone. I understand and I yeah. can appreciate the business acumen of these people. But at the end of the day, these are at times, excuse me. These are at times life-saving drugs, mm-hmm. and and I can't be okay with you bankrupting an individual because you know damn well that they need it. Yeah, and your whole life changes because you got dealt a shitty hand, or your son or daughter got dealt a crappy hand, and all of a sudden your life just goes upside down because they can charge whatever the hell they want. That's not right. That's not right, man. I. Yeah. Look, I'm a free market guy as they come. I love capitalism. I think it's fantastic. It solves a hell of a lot of problems more than it creates. Yeah. But right now, you miss one industry. I have a problem because there is no other option. Okay, so back to my scenario where I spent $1.8 billion on this life-saving drug. Yep. I don't need to do that. I know, I know, I know. So what incentivizes you to create if you can't charge Bingo. these absorbent amounts? Guess what? That 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 family that had an absurd... Bad hands. So they didn't even have the option to put Bingo. themselves in bankruptcy. I, I get it, man. I talk myself through the same situation. Yeah. I got you. The the bankruptcy sounds almost small if you're able to save a wife's life because Agreed, of, 100%. Right? Um, the not having a cell phone sounds almost small if you need insulin. Right? I, I get it. These sounds like necessary items, but 
life, I think, comes first. That's why these are, you know, kind of almost expensive. They're expensive because, unfortunately... They protect the most precious thing you have. Life. I mean, that's why we, you know, give so much, you know, the, the 13 men and women who lost their life in, yes. in Afghanistan. Yes. Whenever, whenever you write a check up to and including your life amount, that you don't have a number that you put in there. No. It's everything. Yes. 100%. That's why we give, you know, you know, all gave some, some gave all who served. And we appreciate the hell to those men and women who've, who've lost their lives for our freedom. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a weird one because those guys invest all that money and then they, and then you're like, Hey, you can't charge us an amount. And it's like, well, why would we ever do that then? So this is the whole roundabout way of, I, I don't want the bankruptcies to happen. I don't want the, oh, we can't have our lights on after 7 PM because it costs more money. I guess then what, what is the cold answer? Then don't. I'm giving you, I'm not making you buy these drugs. I'm not making, and I'm also going to say, hey, I think there are trade-offs, unfortunately, some people have to make, and we do have some systems in place to, for, there's safety nets. We, we have safety nets. Bankruptcy is a safety net, right? We have those in place. But if we got rid of the ability to charge those fees for certain drugs, you now don't have the good drugs on the market. You may not have any more bankruptcies, right? But now you don't have the good drugs in the market to save a certain individual. Insulin to give, would to give the option. Exactly. So here's a weird one. Hmm. I saw this. And this, this almost made me feel confident with my free market strategy. So in the UK, in the UK, this is kind of odd. I had to write this down. So uh, a lot of the different research papers researched specifically in the UK that when they were looking at the quality adjusted life, um, uh, pro forma, I don't know, what the, it's, it's a, called a Q-A-L-Y. That is the, uh, I guess it's some type of scientific term, quality adjusted life year, which is like okay. how long you live with a high quality of life. I wonder how they quantify a quality of life. I don't know. Okay. But anyways. Not important. Was increased in countries with competitive drug models. So when they, that was something that I found out because they were looking at the UK because what, what they do there is, is after a certain amount of prescriptions of a certain drug, they cap it. So it's September. And they're like, fuck, we already met our quota for the amount of drugs that we can give out. So a lot of these EU countries have been struggling because when you have a government budget, you can't spend over that budget. Do you agree? Yeah. Okay. So guess what? When money we, runs out. Money runs out. So when we, because they have a fully funded medical system, right? It's all government funded. They, don't, they have a universal system there. So they say, okay, hey, we're going to have a certain amount for insulin. We're going to have a certain amount for um, high blood pressure medication, right? And things like that. So they allocate a certain amount. And so at a certain point through the year, yes, those drugs are all $2 a pill, really cheap, whatever it may be. But at a certain point, it could be November 15th, and that and the, the doctor goes to prescribe another drill, another drug, and now all of a sudden, they're like, that system runs out. And right when I heard that, I'm like, there's the problem with a universal-type Medicare system. There's always going to be a cap on the amount of drugs that you can get. Because at a certain point, the money runs out, and if there was a, a an outbreak of an antiviral that year, or if there was a a certain amount of people that became obese that year or whatever it may be that there was un unprojected. Well, now all of a sudden from September to December before the next calendar year, I can't get my prescriptions anymore. 
Now, does that ever happen here in America? No. No, guess what? No. I just put it out of my pocket. And in most cases, my insurance covers me because I already met my deductible by June or whatever it may be. Assuming you're properly insured. Exactly. Right? Medicare system doesn't work that way either. You just start paying out of pocket at a certain point. Right. Right? So when I heard that, I was like, okay, well, you can't, you can't subsidize it from the government because at a certain point, they're going to say, sorry, guys, we don't, the faucet turns off. Has to. Yeah. There's, there's, there's no more money. You see kind of maybe, maybe, I don't know if that helps you out a little bit. I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, it helps me out, man, but. It's still shitty. It's still shitty. We only had 600 EpiPens on the shelf, guys. We didn't know 742 kids were going to need it exactly. this year. Exactly. So, right? Sorry, 142 guys. So I don't care. You're SOL. But guess what? Those 100, what if the 142 said, yeah, I have 600 bucks? Guess the free market now all of a sudden makes sense more. I'm like, well, they're figured, they're like, you know what? I'm going to skip my car payment for two months and I'll get my $600 and whatever. I'm going to get a ding on my credit card score or my credit score. I think Look, people find a way. Honestly, as we're kind of wrapping up this third beer here, I think reluctantly, and this is this is probably one of the first times that this has happened in our podcast series thus far. And granted, we are relatively new, but I think we almost have to start coming to the conclusion where we have to reluctantly agree with the current system in place. And I don't think either one of us have a legitimate. No. If we're king for a day, it I think feel good. I think we have to just say, hey. You know, is it perfect? Hell no. No system no. is. No, no system at true scale of 330 million plus yeah. is. It, it can't happen. With our landmass, with our population, it, it can't happen. No. You know, I know the Singapore's the world. You know, that's the utopian, <laughs> you know, the, no the size gum. of Rhode Island. No yeah. gum on the streets. Exactly. It's, it's weird. I would love, me and you probably would both agree. I don't want any single American going to a fast food restaurant tomorrow. I would love that. Okay. So we both agree with that. In a utopian society, that would not occur. Nope. They all go to the gym. How many Americans would actually allow for that to happen? Zero. They would well, riot in the streets yeah. Yeah. if their special little Taco Bell, their McDonald's, or Burger King yep. wasn't open for their coffee, their Mickey Big uh, McMuffin yeah. was not there tomorrow morning. So yeah, we may want a utopian health society, but guess what? You can't do it. People are going to freak out. So I almost think this this kind of bleeds over a little bit. Actually, no, no, no. I'll correct myself. A lot of it to our healthcare podcast to where we are very reluctant. Right now, again, and I think we touched on this a lot, and, and I hope our listeners understand. We understand, both you and I, I'm going to speak for you at this point. We understand there are certain people that are dealt a shitty hand. And shitty I hand. hate that for you guys. I really do. Horrible. You, you, yourself, your wife, your son, your daughter, whomever. I hate that for you. Because yeah. unfortunately, life's not fair all the time. Mm-hmm. So this really is not talking to you. I'm talking about the people that they've made a conscious choice to sit their lazy butt on the couch, watch TV repeatedly, not go to the gym, not exercise, not eat right, not um, work on their mental health, etc. And all these ailments have really just kind of combined over time to where we have, you know, I, I believe you kind of touched on a little bit to where we consume the most prescription drugs yeah. per capita. Yeah. So I think we almost need to kind of go back to our healthcare podcast, Cody, in that we need to take a little bit more ownership saying, hey, why do we have these problems? Why have we actually taken, I'm sorry, why have we defined or demonstrated such a need in the pharmaceutical industry to where they feel compelled to be able to charge six, seven, 
thousand dollars a pill a month, whatever the treatment is. I'm just obviously, you know, uh, making up numbers here. So why don't we take a little bit of ownership here? Let's, let's talk back to our old podcast and healthcare. It's all about ownership. You and I, we, we wake our butts up early in the morning before work. We still work our butts off through the day of the day. And, or if we can't do that, we got to do an evening workout, whatever it is. 7, 8 PM. We have to figure it out. We all have the same 24 hours. How do you use it? You know, it's, it's, it's hard to go to the gym. You know, what's also hard. As we said, you know, being, being obese. It's hard. You know, choose your heart. I, I think I said that exact word actually, yeah. or that exact phrase during the healthcare podcast. Choose I, your heart. I has had almost like a epiphany almost when you were stating this. Let's this hear is it. Actually, great. So, you have pharmaceutical companies, and they say, "Hey, guys, we have a bunch of people that are obese or have heart disease or have lung cancer because they're smoking tobacco. We're going to create drugs for them, right? So, you are going to spend R and D budget for those individuals. Yep, because there is a large population. They're going to need these drugs. And we talked about our health care partners, 90% of the cost of Medicare and health cost in America is on preventable diseases. diseases. Yep. Okay. So if I was a pharmaceutical company, I would be spending 90% or more of my R&D budget on those things. Weird. Okay. Yep. So let's say we take a little bit of personal ownership. We go ahead and say, you know what? No, we're going to be healthy America. We're going to be healthy. We're going to now care about our own personal health. We're going to take steps to do this. You now cut that number in half. I think there will be a lot more competition to make another delivery method for EpiPen. I think you're damn right. All of a sudden, there is now more competition because the pie is a lot smaller. If I'm a pharmaceutical company, I can't get the easy way out for high blood pressure medication. Or the obesity medication. Bingo. Yep. I can't take the easy way because I know they're, you know what, those guys did it. Shit, it only took them a year. They want to take a pill. They don't want to take a gym membership. Go. So guess what? The way to fix this, I think, is to create more competition in the pharmaceutical, uh, pharmaceutical, uh, uh, I guess, industry. But you have to do it by reducing the amount of preventable diseases. And that's on us. Yes. Us as a whole. Yeah. Us as 330. How weird. It's full circle. I think that's, hey, if we're king for a day, we have to start a campaign, whether it's the government or whomever, saying, hey. These prices suck. We agree too. But I'm not going to mess up our free market economy. So it's on you. If you want to yeah. change this, let's actually change it. Let's get off our butts. Mm-hmm. Let's get in the gym. Let's eat, eat right, exercise, work on our mental health, etc. That's how we combat. You reduce drug prices. There's more competition now for things that actually matter. For the kiddo that needs an EpiPen. For the guy that was born with diabetes. Whatever it is, right? Things that are irreversible and that are shitty hands, they're the ones probably getting the brunt of it because there's no, there's less competition. So if we take legitimate ownership as a population, we turn that shitty hand into aces because now we're going to invite the the competition because we can't get these easy layups. No, there's no easy layups as a pharmaceutical company anymore. If we take ownership, yes, you're right. So it's it's a full circle. Pharmaceutical companies have to get a situation they're catering to the population that Bingo. we've created yes right that's that's all they're doing now granted you know we've kind of agreed that they are taking advantage but we gave them through our actions the advantage is that safe to say we gave them home court middle of the day perfect advantage <laughs> they picked the time they picked the court they picked the, the day they picked the team they, they literally the, they, they picked the team they're like hey we're gonna pick the high school team today yep yeah 
Dude, no, honestly, is, I'm, I'm okay with concluding the podcast on that one, man. I, I, I think it. we kind of came uh, came full circle. We were a little bit conflicted, and then all of a sudden, I think we took a little little step deeper into who yeah. we are and what we're about, and and maybe kind of touched on past podcasts. I'm I'm okay with this this conclusion. I think hey, let's end with this. What are we going to talk about next time? I'm all for. Let's talk about drugs and prescribed drugs next podcast. You can tell me no. Done. Let's do it. Do it. Listen in next time, everybody. We're going to be talking about prescription drug usage in America. Overuse. Overuse. Yep. Why prescribe so much? And what That's kind it. of drugs that... Do you even know how many drugs are getting prescribed? Oh, it's crazy. Awesome. Hundreds of millions, just so you guys know. <laughs> See you guys. Have a good one. <laughs> Bye.